Welcome to Ordinary People Doing Extraordinary Things. I'm your host, Carrie Roberts, and I'll be showing you how average, everyday people have chosen to make positive changes in their life to accomplish what makes them happy. I hope this podcast will allow you to feel a connection with people who have something in common with you and make you realize you can have the life you want. Hello, podcast listeners. We are back today with our Expert Wednesdays and our April Expert of the Month, author and founder of the No Complaining Project, Shiana Stort, here to continue our discussion of letting go of complaining. Today's topic is going to focus on how complaining can ruin relationships. Thank you so much, Shiana, for being here, and I'm super excited to dive into this topic. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. I'm, I'm eager to share it with you. I think one of the things that's really interesting is that people are not always aware how their complaining affects those around them. And so I want to dive into talking about how complaining affects our relationships. And one of the things you talk about is how complaining makes you sound like a powerless victim. Can you speak to that just a little bit more? Absolutely. So again, the definition of complaining that we're working with overall for the No Complaining Project is expressing a dissatisfaction without contributing to solving a problem. So when you're truly in a complaining mode, that means you're just talking and talking and talking, but you're actually, you're not taking any action at all. And you're not even talking to somebody who can do something about the problem because even that would be taking an action. You're talking to somebody who's a third party or to somebody uh, who can't actually change the problem, or maybe you're talking about something that it's so big and you're talking about in such vague terms that there's not really any single thing that any one person can do. Um, and that's after a while, if you say those things over and over again, it sounds like you're either unwilling to take an action or that you're unable to take it and that you're seeing yourself as victimized by circumstance. And that's what I mean when I talk about it. it makes you sound like a powerless victim. And I think that a lot of people are that way that are complainers. But if you said that to them, they would not resonate with that word because victim is like, oh, that's, that's not what I'm like. And they get really upset. So again, how do we kind of get aware? I guess awareness is part of it, right? Of understanding like, okay, I am someone who is complaining. I am someone who's doing this. Because if you can't get there, then you're not going to be able to change it, correct? That's correct. And again, by saying something again and again without taking action, you're acting like a victim, even if you're not identifying with a word. And other people around you start to see you in that way. And that's you know, why I phrase it as it makes you sound like a powerless victim. And you're, in many ways, you're kind of behaving like it. Like, oh, you know, poor me. I, I feel so put upon by something. Um, and other people, if you think about the the complainers in your world that you've listened to for an extended period of time, that's basically how you start to see them as if they think of themselves as like, oh, poor me. Refusing help and not wanting solutions can also cause issues in relationships. Can you talk a little bit about how that happens? Sure. One of the things that's the most difficult for me to uh, witness in this work that I'm doing is watching, you know, a caring pair in which one person is complaining a lot and the other person is listening a lot. And the premise being that this is a pair that cares about each other. The person who's complaining a lot is, you know, 
basically stuck in their own rut and they're just saying something again and again. Even if the person who's listening starts offering solutions or what have you, have you tried this or maybe we could do this, it's like, nah, that'll never work or no, I've tried that or you know, what would be the point of that? They won't listen anyway or whatever. It's the, the complainer is actually really in this mode of like refusing the help. So now put yourself into the mind of the listener and they have a hard time now trying to become even more empathetic to the person who's complaining because they're, as they're feeling into that empathy, they're suffering along with this person that they care about. But that person clearly doesn't want to stop suffering because that they are holding on to something and they just refuse to solve it in any way, shape or form. So the person who's listening now has a couple of choices. They can either commiserate, just continue to suffer themselves and be all complainy and, and go along with it, or they actually have to harden their hearts a little bit and to turn away from caring as much because it's the only way to protect themselves from suffering along with a hardened complainer. And that, over time, if you get into a habit of closing your heart to the person that you care about just so that you don't have to hurt yourself, well, over time, that just becomes a habit on its own. And that can erode a relationship. It can lead to less caring. Um, it can lead to resentment. It can lead to just an apathy um, between the two and it sort of deadens the air because there's somebody who's volleying things into the conversation but refusing to listen to the other person. So it's not a conversation at all. And now there's just they're just like lobbying um, stuff into the middle of this relationship that nobody can do anything about. Yeah. And, um, you know, I've had where, you know, I've said to people, uh, if they're complaining, you know, we all as people want to help, you know, sometimes we just yeah. jump right in. And I do think it's important to feel, I know I've learned that. I know I've learned that as a listener, you know, is this person going through something that just happened and it's important that they feel first and they just talk it out and that's a necessary process. But then obviously some people keep going and it starts to get the complaining, um, and I've had people say to me, uh, you know, well, when you ask me to do something or to be thankful or to do things like that, it takes the attention away from what I'm feeling. And they think that I would come off as selfish. Does that make sense? Have you ever heard that before? It does. It does make sense. And there are times that there are, there's some definite legitimate legitimacy to that. In certain situations, there are people who don't really want to hear about another person's struggle or they don't want to go into an emotional space with another person. And so, you know, there's definitely people who react negatively, assuming that you're like, oh, you don't want to listen to what my story and you don't have any empathy for me or whatever. Um, and so I think that that, you know, is, I think people who are stuck in a spot need to feel fully heard in order for them to be able to move to the next spot. However, they are stuck in that spot. And if it happens over and over and over again, then there is no desire for movement. And then what do you do on the other side? So I think that one of the things that I offer to people, um, especially people who are habitual problem solvers, are to think about in this situation, the emotion is the thing that needs to be solved. That the the problem is not the content 
of what they're saying. The problem is that they feel lonely or overlooked or blamed or, or guilty or, you know, whatever it is that is the underlying emotion and that that is the thing that you actually need to speak to and to, to dive into. And then they feel like you're there with them. And you had put down, you know, a lot of people complain to feel loved or feel superior or as ways to connect or gain attention, um, which all kind of go into that emotional support. So how does somebody who is complaining about things but really needs emotional support uh, speak to what they want? And then how does the person on the other end listen or respond appropriately for an emotional support that's needed? Cool. So one of the things that we haven't talked about yet is talking about venting. And I think that venting is very healthy and very necessary. And it speaks to that emotional support moment that you're talking about. Mm -hmm. um, the idea being there, if there's something in your mind, if there's something that's so big and overwhelming that it's distracting you from being able to have a conversation about pretty much anything else, uh, then that's something that you need to share with your listener so that you can get into a shared reality so that they know what is in your mind while you're listening to them. They know why you're distracted, et cetera. And often it's an emotional distraction. Um, and so you just need to tell people that this is what's going on so that they can be there with you. And that's venting. Now the trick is if you say it more than once or that same thing to more than one person or if you're not feeling that emotion at the beginning of your story, but it comes up during the course of your story, then that's not venting anymore. Now you're complaining. What you're doing is reinvigorating the emotions to go back in time to when you did feel them. And now you're not actually trying to clear an emotion. You're trying to remember it and hang on to it. And that is complaining. And that is one of the things that gets very exhausting for the person who's listening. Now, the person who's listening, you know, if you notice that somebody is doing that again and again with the same situation, I understand that there's a lot of people that won't be able to hear you if you just say, oh, I think you're complaining. Um, if you're in an ongoing relationship with this person because they're in your family or your coworkers or there's some way that you see each other repeatedly, one of the things that I suggest is it's a little bit of a runaround to the conversation is to go ahead and take the no complaining pledge yourself, start trying to work on your own complaining habits, and then invite the other person to collaborate with you and to join you as like, oh, can we do this together? Because I need help and I can't get into this kind of a complaining conversation. Um, and just say like, I can't listen to this right now. And just own that it's very difficult for you to hear it. Um, now, this is a socially tricky thing to do. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of people that are not gonna be very open to this and it can, you have to handle it carefully. However, it's a lot better and more socially acceptable way than saying you're complaining and you need to stop. One of the things that is a better way to handle it also is to say, when I hear you say that, I feel such and such and such a thing. You know, sort of in that classic nonviolent communication training, that sense of 
you are not necessarily making me feel this way, but when I hear you say this, I feel this way. And you can't argue how I feel. So sharing the impact of somebody's words on you, I think is a very powerful way to both invite them in and also to build awareness about what they're saying and how it affects you. Now, how do you deal with somebody who, you know, I think it's very common for someone to get defensive about that, to feel like you don't know what you're talking about, you hurt my feelings, um, because even if you're saying it in a nice tone, you, they take it, anyone would take it as like, oh, like this person right. doesn't, doesn't like me or whatever. And then hopefully you calm down and you realize what was correct or what wasn't. So how does somebody kind of deal with uh, that defensiveness when somebody says that to them? I think you can offer that you're really there to try to help, that you want to hear what they're saying and to say, you know, yeah, you, I think you also have to be really prepared. I talk about this as a courage moment. You know, do you actually have the courage to stop complaining? Because what you're about to do if you decide to do this is to embark on something that's very different from what most people do. And it's very challenging to the way that most people speak. It's very challenging to most of what's on television and in a lot of the papers and, and in a lot of the comedy and in a lot of the society that we're surrounded by. So the decision to stop complaining actually takes a fair amount of courage. So there's a way that you have to check your own intentions at the door you know, and say, am I saying this right now because I just wanna shut this person up because I'm sick of them? In which case, you should not say it. That is not a good thing. But if you're saying it because I really want to help them, and right now it feels like they're suffering, um, and I want to work with them to help end that suffering, well, that's actually a really good place to come from. And over time, people can feel that intention. The alternative is you don't say anything. And that's not a bad alternative either but you will have to probably excerpt yourself from certain conversations or simply not reply. This is one of the things that I do. There are times when I, you know, I'm surrounded by people who do complain or, you know, I, I am just out in the world and I hear people complaining like in a line or at a restaurant or, you know, whatever. And I just simply don't respond and don't engage in that conversation. And after a while of getting no response, then they just drop it. Yeah. Well, I'm, yeah, I the same way, or I always do the opposite end of the spectrum. You know, um, someone mm -hmm. will be like, Oh, we had to go outside and it was cold. And I'm like, yeah, but it wasn't raining. <laughs> like right. I try to add, like, like you said, the <laughs> reality, you know what I mean? And, and that can sometimes, I don't know, I feel like it helps in some way. I think it does. I think even more successful way to do that, and maybe this is one of the things that other people are picking up on is if you take the sort of improv yes and approach, uh, because it is true that it is cold and it was raining and I'm psyched because California has been in a drought. So it's not saying that, you know, but California has been in a drought, which sort of shuts down whatever they've been saying. You can offer that. Yes, that is true. And I have another way of also looking at it. That is also true. And to try to continue to bring those things into the conversation, uh, over time. I like that. You know, it's fascinating as I'm talking to you and because you're a writer as well, I assume that when you wrote the book, you probably went through this yourself. But it's interesting to me that little words 
can make such a huge difference or impact. Like you were just saying, the word but or and can be very different. Or when you're saying you do this versus when you do this. Um, do you think about that a lot consciously, like when you're talking to people? I do think about it quite a bit. And it is incredibly powerful how much words, you know, how, how you can actually learn to craft your words so that they are heard better. I mean, one of the most important things that was ever told to me when I was younger was it doesn't matter what you say, it matters what was heard. And that was huge for me to learn that I can defend till the cows come home what my intention was when somebody says, but that's not what you said. And I say, well, yes, it is. Um, Well, the truth is it might've been what I said, but it isn't what they heard. And so ultimately, if I want to be communicating with somebody, if I want to be in relationship with somebody, if I want to have an actual conversation, then I need to pay attention to how things are heard and how things land as opposed to just, well, I like to use these words and that's, that's what it is. Um, on the, at the same time, not on the other hand, but at the same time, I also really do value a lot of paying attention to people's intentions because I've met a lot of people who use all the right words and still feel mean or slimy or like, you know, the, the classic used car salesman stereotype that we all hate. You know, they're saying the right words that feel like compliments, you know, but it doesn't feel like a compliment at all. It feels terrible. So there's, there's a lot of important that I could place on intention as well as the content of words, but starting with the words and figuring out what words you're saying and how people are hearing them is absolutely the most controllable place to start. Now going along that, you know, the relationship with other people is just as important as the relationship with ourself. And one of the things you talk about in the book is coping with our inner critic. So what does complaining sound like when we do it to ourselves in our mind? I've started to recognize or understand or explain to myself the inner critic as me complaining to myself about myself (laughs) and, you know, in a, in a way that's not productive and isn't actually working towards the solution. And that's just really complaining. And I, you know, my inner critic is pretty fierce and is pretty present and can get very, very mean. And I feel the last mode of complaining or positivity that a lot of people struggle with is silencing this inner side of themselves that that is striving for perfection or is trying to make sure that you don't get hurt or is doing all of these different actions that you may not agree with in your conscious self. I've started to then, you know, again, in the, the mode of empathy, what worked for me is to recognize that my inner critic is actually trying to protect me and to do good things for me. It's just doing it in a really, really bad way. And so I can have a little bit of empathy for it or appreciation for the steps that it's taking. But then I say, yeah, but you know, you're, you got to clean up your language. You're not being very nice. I don't need to listen to you right now. Yeah, no, I, I think that's important. Um, Cause I'm curious, have you found in your research that, the people who complain to others, uh, do they tend to also have their inner critic or do you think that they're separate or does everybody have an inner critic? What are your thoughts on that comparison? I think that there's 
I'm, I'm actually interested in doing a deep dive into the inner critic as one of my next projects. <laughs> and it's a very, very ripe topic. I, I think that just about everybody carries some version of the inner critic and it just has more or less of a hold on them. Some, some people kind of amazingly to me can hear those voices and then just say, yeah, it doesn't matter all that much. And they just kind of let it go. And I'm like, woo, what's your secret? How do you actually do that? Because that sounds fantastic and like a lot less stressful than listening to this little mean voice on the inside of your head that you can't get away from. I think there's a lot of people who complain outside who are externalizing their inner critic inside. It's a very fascinating thing when I learned and realized that most of what bothers us is something that we don't like about ourselves. If we're criticizing another person about something, it's often something that we, you know, the most, the, the most heated complaints about another person are often about things that we're trying to avoid or, or want to solve inside of ourselves. And that's a very interesting thing to note. And that just means that you're externalizing your inner critic when you're criticizing another person. Yeah, uh, I like that a lot. I think uh, this is a great list of tools and thoughts on becoming more aware of how complaining can affect not only ourselves, but those around us. So thank you again, Sianna. This has been wonderful. And I look forward to talking to you on the next episode. Absolutely. Thanks. Hi, podcast listeners. Have a question about what we discussed today or have a topic you'd like us to cover on Wednesdays? Send me an email over at Kerry, K-E-R-I dot N dot Roberts, R-O-B-E-R-T-S at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you and provide as much value as possible to your personal growth journey. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, I would greatly appreciate a review over on iTunes. And if you'd like to be featured on the podcast, be sure to message me over on Instagram at Kerry, K-E-R-I dot N dot Roberts. Remember that each of us has something that makes us great. So go out there and show the world what makes you extraordinary.